Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, if you brought a Bible, we're going to be uh, wrapping up this series that we called Greatest Hits. And uh, Greatest Hits are really just taken from the, the, the book of Psalms. And we just took some different uh, songs that were written uh, by different writers uh, that, that put together, compiled this book of Psalms, and uh, primarily David. Um, and so Psalm 84 is um, a song that gives us a imagery of what heaven will be or what we should long for or look for uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, being in eternity. And so um, how many of you, I don't even probably need to ask this, I think every one of us has, has said this before, um, and I have it, this phrase up here, when I, then I, right? When I, then I. So in other words, when I, you know, get a new car, I will, then I will have less problems in my life. How many of you have said, when I get that gym membership, then I will have more self-confidence, right? When I get that raise, then I will be more generous with my money, right? When I am able to change my husband, <laughs> then I will be so much happier. How many of you have ever said these, these I, we can go on and on and on, but this, this is sort of the world that we live in. When I have this, then I will be this, or then I will feel this. And these are, you know, strong, appealing emotions that we have. We all long for, desire for things that are newer, you know, things that are nicer, things that are shinier, things that are more beautiful. We desire, you know, for, for you know, more romance, and we desire for things that are just, that just make life better, what we think that will make things like make life better and so these are these strong emotional appeals but here's the thing none of these things that we desire none of these things are always bad things they're just never enough right they're just never enough like you, you we we strive for these things or we think that if we have something this or that you know something that's newer something that's shinier then that's what's going to you know make me happier that's what's going to bring me more fulfillment that's what's going to give me a better return and so we emotionally long for things that we think are going to be enough for us but they never are they're never enough. They'll never be enough for us. Did you know that since the 2000s, there's been a business that is a, now a billion dollars. Since the 2000s, it has been a billion dollar business. You know what that business is? Storage units. Storage units. It is a billion dollar business. You know, Americans need 2.3 billion square feet of extra space just to fit their stuff. It is a billion dollar business business. Uh, the, the American uh, Psychological Association said this. It says, our homes on average have three times the size of the average household 50 years ago. We own twice as many cars per person, eat out twice as often, and enjoy endless other commodities that weren't around then. Things like big screen TVs, 
microwave ovens, SUVs, and handheld wireless devices, and yet our happiness level has basically flatlined. And the interesting thing, too, it's not really even about acquiring the bigger thing or the better thing or the newer thing or the shinier thing. It's not even really about acquiring that thing. It's just about fantasizing about having that thing. It's something about when we think about that thing that we want to have or accumulate or, or you, know, you know, collect in, in, into our world and to our stuff, you know. It's a, there's something about what happens to the brain. There's these dopamine levels that rise up into our brain that are like, like a drug addict. They're, they're just, there's something about just fantasizing about that thing. And then once we get it, Afterwards, we're like, we think about the other thing that we want. Once we've finally acquired that thing that we thought that would make us happier, would make us more self-confident, that thing that would make us look better, you know, that thing that we thought that would make, us, make our lives easier, once we've acquired that thing, we now are not satisfied enough with that thing and we look for something else to fantasize about. It's just like, you know, you get a raise at work. You get a raise at work, and then within 48 hours, you're thinking about when you can get your next raise. It's like when you go on vacation. You go on vacation, you drive back on vacation. What are you thinking about as you're driving back on vacation? When can I go on vacation again? It's not even really about acquiring. It's just about simply fantasizing. Your real desire... Your real desire for the object is actually not for the object itself, but for the end of the longing for that object. That's the real desire. And then we move on to something else. Now, what is that in us? What is that about us that nothing really seems to satisfy, even though we think that if we gain this, that will be that. We think that when I have this, then I will be this we think that that's gonna bring us the fulfillment that we have but really the desire is just the fantasy of it the the not the actual object itself but the end of the longing for that object so what is that about us well Solomon this wisest person to ever walk this earth other than Jesus said this about every single person he said this in Ecclesiastes 3:11. look what he says he says, he has made everything appropriate in its time. In other words, he has made everything appropriate for us within the time frame that God has allowed us to exist. The things that happen to us in this life are appropriate to you. Whether they're good things, whether they're bad things, it was, it's God working in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you're for it or not, whether it's something that you think is best for you or not. God knows what's best for you. He says he has made everything appropriate in its time. And then look what he says. And he has also set eternity in their hearts so that the man, that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. In other words, that God is working on a different timetable. God is working within a different framework. God sees the beginning of time until the end of time and we only get a small little clip. God sees the whole puzzle and he's only handed you 
sometimes a little puzzle piece. And we're trying to figure it all out. And God says, listen, I don't want you to have to figure it out because I want to have, I want there to be something inside of you that longs for something more. And here's what you and I have already discovered in this life. Nothing that this world has to offer is ever enough. It will always fall short. The reason why it's never enough for you and it's never enough for me is because God has set more in our hearts. God has set in our hearts a longing and a yearning and a desire for eternity. Not what's temporary. Not what's here. And so Psalm 84, you see the writer of Psalm 84. We don't know his name, but we see the writer, or maybe it's a her. We don't know her. We see the writer of Psalm 84 write this longing that they have for something more, for, for some things that are eternal. And here's where we're going to pick it up in Psalm 84, verse number one. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. Verse two, my soul longed. Look, at, you see it? My soul longs and even yearns for the courts of the Lord. In other words, my soul longs for your presence. My soul, my heart yearns for more of you, God. My soul, there's something inside of me that this world doesn't satisfy, but, but you, God, satisfy. But you, God, I long for. You, God, your presence with me, I yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. He says in verse 3, look what he says. He says, my, he says, the birds also have found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. Verse 4, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Salah. Now listen, here's what he's saying. He's saying, like, I am, like, almost envious of the birds that have found their house. I'm almost envious of birds that have found their home, their resting place. I'm, I'm like envious of that fact. He says, I, I just, I long, to, the psalmist is saying, I long, I yearn to be in your presence. I long and I yearn to be in your house. I long and I yearned to go Home. Look what he says in verse 5. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. In other words, my longing, my yearning that I have in my life will not be found in this place called earth. In the short time frame that I have here, I will never be satisfied with what this world has to offer. But my heart, my flesh yearn and long to go home. And you, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, you and I are on a pilgrimage home. You and I are on a pilgrimage home. You are on a journey in every single moment, every single day. You and I move closer 
to going home if, you, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus. Come on, isn't that exciting, everybody? By the way, home is better than here, okay? I'll let you write that down. I'll give you a moment. Home is better than here. Home with the Lord in his presence is better than anything this life has to offer. This psalmist said, my heart, my longing, my yearning is to go home and to be with the Lord, to be in his presence. And I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm on a journey. And I hope that you know that one day, if you put your faith in Jesus, that one day you're going to go home. That there is a place that is prepared for you. Jesus said that I've gone and prepared a place for you. That where I am, that you can be with me also. Isn't that good news? That there's a home prepared for you. I don't know if you feel like you're always at home. You're never going to really feel like you're at home here on this earth. Because we just don't really fit here. We're sort of going against the grain if you're a follower of Jesus. That's just sort of naturally how we feel. We're going against the grain. The reason is because this isn't our home. You know what we're doing? We're just passing through. We're just passing through. Why? Because you were made for something more. You were made, and I was made for eternity. And God has set that in our hearts. And the thing that he wants us to long for is to be in his presence. And you and I are on a pilgrimage. You and I are on a journey. You and I are on the highways to a place called heaven. But as we go, look what it says in verse 6. But as we go, here's what we need to know. As we're passing through, as we're passing through, that we're going to have to go through the valley of Baca. That we're going to have to go through the valley of Baca. Now, what does Baca mean? What does Baca mean? Baca means this. Weeping sorrow, and pain. Anybody walk through the valley of Baca? You've gone through some some tough times. You've gone through some sorrow. You've gone through some grief. You've gone through some pain in your life. I mean, I'm on this today. I have funeral number four in a week. Number four in a week. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the sorrow, the pain, the hurt. Listen, This life is that. This life, as we're passing through, is a life of sorrow, of pain, of hurt, of aggravation, of frustration. But we're on, but we're just passing through. We've got to remember that. We're on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. We're on a highway to get to where God is, to go home. But we got to know this. Before we get home, we got to go through the valley of Baca. We got to go through the valley of Baca. We got to go through the valleys of hurts and pains and difficulties and challenges and sorrows. We got to walk through that. And then look what it says. Look at it says, verse 6 again. But here's what we are to do. As we're passing through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping or pain or sorrow or grief, they make it a spring. The early rain also covered it, covers it with blessings. So what is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. Your goal and my goal is to get home, right? Our, your goal and my goal is to get home. We're on a pilgrimage. We're heading that way. But here's what you need to know. You're going to have to walk through the Valley of Baca to get there. 
You just need to understand that this life has its hurts and its pains and its challenges and its difficulties. You need to know that as we're passing through, that's what this life is about. This life is never enough for us. This life only will disappoint if we put and invest and long and yearn for this life. But while we go through the valley of Baca, look what it says. That they make it a spring. The the early rain also covers it with blessing. What is he saying? He's saying this. Even though we have to pass through the valley of Baca, I'm going to dig wells. I'm going to dig wells. Or I'm going to dig springs. And when we dig wells or when we dig springs, and so they would... They would dig these springs. They would dig these wells. They would, they would dig down as, I don't know how deep. I should have looked that up, but I don't know. They had to dig down real far down into the ground, you know. And then once they were, they were finished, then the rains would come. The early rains would come, and it would fill those holes, those, those wells that they dug out. It would fill those holes with rain. So here's the picture. The picture is this. Our pilgrimage is to get home. Before we can get home, we got to pass through the valley of Baca. But while we're going through the valley of Baca, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to have you know, pity on ourselves. We're not going to ache and groan and whine and complain. That what, you, know, you know what you're going to do? He says, I'm going to dig a spring. I'm going to dig a spring. And when I dig a spring... The rains of the blessings of God will fill them. The rains of the blessings of God will fill what I dug out. Now, what does that look like? Here's what this looks like. When you dig the spring, God will fill it with blessing. When you and I dig the spring, God will fill it with blessing. That means this. That if you want to grow in your faith and if you want to see the blessings of God in your relationship with God, you have to be willing to pick up a shovel and start digging a spring. In other words, you need to decide, hey, I'm going to pick up a shovel. I'm going to do my part in my faith and I'm going to get into an empower group. Oh, here he goes again. Now let's get in the circle and talk about it. Just kidding, just kidding. How how relieved were you when you showed up and it was in rows? How relieved were you? You're like, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. I don't have to talk today. Listen, it is about picking up a shovel and deciding I am going to do my part. I'm going to dig my spring so that I can see God's blessings on my faith growing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a group. I'm going to send my kids to Awana on Wednesday night at 6.30. Even though you've never brought your kids to Awana before, you should bring your kids to Awana because that's where they're going to grow in their faith. Maybe you're a teenager and you're saying, I don't really need to grow in my faith. I'm telling you, you want to see the blessings of God in your life. You should be here on Sunday nights for Thrive at 6 o'clock. 
to 8 o'clock and you should want to just pick up that shovel and be there because you want to grow in your faith and you want to see the blessings of God in your life. Be, has anything else really worked? When you, he, he, let me say it this way. Dig the spring, God will fill it with blessing. And let me say it another way. When God sees your faith, you will see his faithfulness. You with me? When God sees that you're willing to dig that spring, you're going through the Valley of Baca. Oh, nobody wants to go through the Valley of Baca, but let me just tell you something. You can make the best of going through the Valley of Baca. You can pick up that shovel, and you can dig that spring, and you can apply whatever it is that you want to apply, that you want to see God work in your life. And maybe it's your spiritual growth. Maybe it's your relationships with your kids. Maybe it's your relationships in your marriage. I don't know what the case may be for you. But I just want to tell you, it is time to dig the spring so that God can rain down blessings in the spring that you dug out. That's what God wants us to do. He says, hey, pick up a shovel and dig a well. Dig a well. And watch the blessings of God fill it in your life. Watch God work in your life that you've never seen and seen him work before. That God wants to fill your life up with blessings. But you got, and I've got to be willing to dig the spring so that God can show how faithful he is. And you know what will happen for you? You know what happened for us? Look what he says in verse 7. He says this. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. In other words, before we get to God, before we appear before God, you know what's going to happen to us? We're going to go from strength to strength. What does that mean? That means that you and I are just going to get stronger. That you and I are just going to get stronger. You and I are going to have stronger marriages. You and I are going to have, be stronger parents. You and I are going to have stronger faith and trust in God. You and I are going to have stronger friendships. You and I are going, to be, are going to be stronger witnesses. I mean, come on. I mean, don't we want to see people long for and, and find and meet the person that their heart is longing for? Don't we want people in our lives to experience the Jesus that we know that our heart has been connected to, that we long for, and he's the one that satisfies. Come on, don't we want to start picking up the shovel and digging the springs at our workplace, investing in people's lives, and inviting them to come and experience the presence of God? I hope you do. And when you start digging your spring. God's going to fill it with blessing. And you and me, we're going to be stronger as a result of it. So dig your blessing spring and build your strength. Dig your blessing spring and build your strength.
as you and I walked through and passed through the valley of Baca. Now, here's another thing that you need to know as we walk through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping and sorrow and pain, struggles and battles. Here's another thing that you need to know. Look at what it says in verse 10. Here's what, the, here's what the psalmist was at as he's writing this. His longing, his urging, his, his desire, his passion was for God. He knew that God was the one that satisfied. Nothing in this world satisfies. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So here's the psalmist is saying, listen, here's what you need to know. As you walk through the valley of Baca, that there's going to be a thousand options of tents out there. So picture that in your mind. You're walking through this valley and there's a thousand tents out there. And the tents could meet, represent a thousand different things. The tents of the wicked, they could, be, they could represent, you know, pride. The tents of pride. And the pride, the person that's in the pride tent is going, hey, come on over to my tent. Come on over and be prideful with me in my tent. You know, maybe there's somebody yelling out at the, at the jealousy tent. Hey, come on over and be jealous with me. You know, we have all of the social medias up. You know, we can go on Facebook and be jealous of them. We can go on Instagram and be jealous of them. We can go on Twitter and be jealous of them. We can do all of these things. Like, let's come on over. I mean, we can, we, hey, come on over to the sensuality tent. Oh, the sensuality tent is so much fun at the sensuality tent. There's somebody calling you over. Hey, come on over and enjoy this. You see this? You watching this? You checking this out? Whoa, this is a lot of fun. Listen, there is a thousand tents calling out to you. And I don't know, maybe I didn't mention your tent. But you know the tent that's been calling out to you. You know the thing that's been yelling out, hey, come on over here and enjoy this. There's a thousand of them. There's a thousand of them. I, a couple years ago, uh, I don't know how this happened. I can't remember how it all went down. But um, my daughter had, wanted to have a birthday party. And um, somehow, maybe it was my idea, sometimes I get... In these, do these things and I don't know if it was somebody or my wife suggesting I do it or my daughter asking me if I would do it. I'm not really sure. But regardless of any of those things, um, I did. I built these tents. I don't know if we have a picture, a couple pictures. You see them? That's in my living room. I, I made those. I'm, thank you very much. You can clap. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. So I made these tents. There, there they are again. They were before, they, before they got decorated, they, that's what they look like, you know. And uh, so I made these. These are in my living room. And I'm just kind of like, after I got done, I'm kind of wondering to myself, why did I do that? Like, like what? I, I, like it sort of hit me like at that moment. It's like, why did I build tents for them? They're already in a house. Like, I just got to think, you know, like, they're, they're, like, you're in a house. Like, there's not, nothing's going to, you know, you're good. You're, there's a refuge place. There's no rain that's going to fall on you. You know, you're, it's all good. You're in the house. And I build these tents that are in the house already. And I thought to myself, 
boy, this is how we are as we walk through the Valley of Baca. We get distracted by going into so many tents. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're already in the house with him. You're already in the house. You're already in his presence. You're already moving towards going home. Why would we? Why would we? you know, distract ourselves by walking into the tent of the wicked and there's a thousand of them. A thousand of them that we get distracted by as we're going through our pilgrimage, as we're walking in our journey. There's a thousand of them and we get called and beckoned and say, hey, this is good, this is fun, this is gonna fulfill you, this is bigger, this is nicer, this is shinier, this is better. This is more romantic. This is going to give you a better return. This is going to make you richer. And we are like, yeah, 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 this and this. And we go from one tent to another and it will never be enough. Why? Because we're already going home with him. It's never, never going to be enough for us. And the psalmist said, hey, I'd rather, for me, I'd rather Stand at the threshold of the presence of God. I'd rather stand at the door of the presence of God than find myself dwelling in the tents of the wicked. So stand, stand. At the present, stand at the threshold for at least for a day. Just try it out. Just stand one day at the threshold of God rather than one of a thousand tents elsewhere. Decide that as you're on this journey, as you're on this pilgrimage, that you're going to stand at the doorway of God. And you're going to be someone who opens up the doorway to the presence of God. That you're going to be someone that's decided, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be someone who is a door holder for the presence of God. I'm going to be someone that as I go through the valley of Baca, yeah, I'm going to dig my well so that the blessings of God fill them up. But I'm also going to be someone who's standing at the door to open up the presence of God to somebody that needs it. Because we live in a world full of people that are looking at a thousand other places. They're walking to a thousand other tents. And you and I are standing at the doorway of the presence of God. And the psalmist said, I'm going to be one that's just as going to open the door to the presence of God. That's what I'm going to be. I'm not going to those thousand tents that are calling for me, that are beckoning to me to come. I'm going to be a presence holder, a door holder for God to come in and give the satisfaction that only God gives. That's what I'm going to be, the psalmist said. This week, I uh, got a call from um, Lynch and Sons, and he called me up, said, uh, Pastor Chris, he said, I've got a family that doesn't have a pastor, they don't have a church, and I think that you and your church do the best job at connecting with people that are unchurched. What a compliment to us, don't you think? 
What a compliment. I mean, I'm t- I, was like, I was like holding back tears. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I mean it. He's like, I think you guys do the best job at connecting with people that are far from God, that need God in their life. And so would you mind coming and doing the funeral? I mean, I was just like, yeah, that's amazing. I would be happy to do that because that's what I want to be. And I hope that's what you want to be as a church. That you're a door, we're a door holding church. That we're just opening up to the presence of God. What did Jesus say about himself? Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the door. In other words, I want to be open to every single person that wants to know what it looks like to have the longing and the yearning of their heart satisfied. I had another lady tell me this week, it was such a, con- she, she thought she was maybe gonna be rude to me and I, I was like, I, I'm not really sure why she thought that, but she said, you know, I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but she said, you're, you're really good, and I, I don't know why she said that, but she goes, you're really good at um, caring for and loving for the disenchanted. I was like, that ain't rude at all. I'm like, that's a compliment. <laughs> I don't know why you thought that would be rude, but that's a compliment. I said, I, that's what, I, I said, that's what Jesus was about. Jesus was about those that were, you know, far from God, didn't think that they had it all together, thought that they, you know, that they were falling short in culture and society and, and the, the, the disenchanted and, you know, the disengaged. And, and, he, and he, he gathered them to himself. Why? Because he was the door to the presence of God. He was the door. And he wanted to open that up to people. And for them to realize the longing and the yearning in their heart will not be found in this earth, in this world, but only found in him. And so for the psalmist, he said, you know what? There's a thousand tents I could run to. There's a thousand tents I could hang out at, but that's not where I'm going to hang out. I'm hanging out at the threshold of the presence of God. That's where I'm going to spend my time hanging out. That's where I'm going to be. And I'd rather stand one day at the threshold of God rather than one of a thousand tents elsewhere. And he says in verse 11, he wraps it up and says this, says this for the Lord God, why, why does he want to stand? He says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God is, is provision like the sun, and the Lord God is a shield. He's protection like a shield. He's provision, and he's protection. He's a sun, meaning that there's no darkness that can hide from the sun, and that you never will walk down the valley of Baca in a dark path. Why? Because he's the sun that shines bright for you and for me. There's no danger, listen to me, there's no danger that you can walk through as you're walking through the valley of Baca that your shield cannot protect you from. He's a sun and he's a shield. He's our provision and he's our protection. And he gives to every single one of us grace. Grace. Boy, I need grace. Do you need grace? I need grace every day. Every day. He gives it. He gives grace. Unmerited favor. 
When you don't deserve it, he still gives you that gift of grace. That grace is for here. As we go through that pilgrimage and we're heading home, the only reason why you and I get to go home is because of grace. The only reason why you and I get to go and be in the presence of God is because of grace. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But we get it because he's the one that gives grace. And by the way, when we leave this place and our pilgrimage is over and we've passed through the valley of Baca and after we've dug our springs and after we've held our doors, we get glory. We get glory. But the only reason why you and I get glory is because we were given grace. The only reason why you and I get grace and glory is because he is our son. He's our provision. And he is our shield. He is our protection. And then he says, verse 12, O Lord of hosts, O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the person, the man, the person who trusts in you. Do you trust him today? Do you trust that he's your son and he's your shield? Do you trust that better is one day in his presence than a thousand elsewhere? Do you trust that? Do you trust that if you pick up a shovel and you start digging your spring, that he is going to rain down his blessings? Do you trust him? I hope you do. Because he is the answer. He is the answer for the longing soul. He is the answer to a yearning heart. He is. So let's be people who open up the door to his presence so that they can experience how he is the sun, how he is the shield, how he gives grace and even better than that, he gives us the glory of eternity. That's what I hope. That's what I hope for you. That's what the psalmist hopes for you. Let's stand if you would. You mind standing? Brent will lead us. It's a song maybe you've sung before, heard before. It's, it's from this psalm. It's from this psalm. So sing it together. We'll close in prayer.